This evening we'll look into the book of Jeremiah, the second chapter, reading one verse, verse 13. It says this, For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and hewed them out cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. The first chapter of the book of Jeremiah speaks about his call to be a prophet. The second chapter records the first message that God gave him to deliver to the people. It's a very descriptive message. It begins with an analogy of a marriage. In it, the Lord rehearses bringing them uh, like his bride through the wilderness, sustaining them there, even though there it was a place of desert and, and drought, bringing them to a land of plenty and goodness, where they already had houses and where uh, their crops and their vineyards were already planted. But rather than enjoy the blessing of the Lord, God said in the second chapter, you have defiled my land and made my heritage an abomination. He then asked them, where are your priests? Where are your leaders? Where are the prophets? So it was a rhetorical question. So the Lord said that the priests don't even know me. The leaders... They transgress or sin against me. And the prophets, they prophesy to Baal. So finally, he asked them to consider the countries around them. They had idols. They worshipped pagan gods, which he said are no gods. Yet, those countries to those pagan idols, to their gods, have remained loyal, even though they are false gods. So again, he summed it up in this beautiful word picture, that my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and hewed them out cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. Now, cisterns are usually just pits that are dug. This would be on a land or property that does not have another source of water. Very common in Jeremiah's time. I have seen both cisterns and springs. My wife and my grandmother grew up in houses that use cisterns. In both cases, uh, those cisterns were not used for potable water. They were used for their gardens, for their livestock. So they had to go uh, away from their house to a, a community well where they could get water and bring it by bucket back to their house for drinkable water. 
I'm not really sure how good those cisterns uh, were, how they worked out for them. In both of those cases, I knew it came to a point where they became liabilities. They needed to be buried because somebody unwittingly could uh, step on one, break right through it, and hurt themselves, so they had to eventually be filled in. Now, to every natural spring that I've ever been to, I believe either by hand or by a cup, I've drinking out of it. You want to taste that cool, refreshing water, natural water, pure water. You know, I never had a desire to put my hand in one of those cisterns. That did not appeal to me at all. I didn't even really want to look in them. Never crossed my mind. But in relationship to this verse, I can't imagine either my in-laws or my grandparents even having a cistern if they had a spring on their property. Why would they then make the effort to, to dig a cistern or even have one? It wouldn't have made any sense at all. And that's exactly what the Israelites had done. You know, now, it was even more difficult in their situation. It's, in that sense, it's even more graphic. Now, again, they do dig, even in the Middle East, I believe now, cisterns. And it's very difficult work. It's not soft soil that they're digging in. And you can note even in this verse, it says that they hewed. So it's referring to going through solid rock. They had to break through it. And many of these cisterns in various archaeological sites have been uncovered, some very big ones, 50 feet deep, 75 feet in circumference. I can't imagine the effort it would take to hew out a cistern like that. But there in that arid climate, where you only have a few months of rain during the year, for some that would be their only opportunity to get water where they wouldn't have to bring it in through a lot of labor from somewhere else. So it would take a tremendous amount of hard work and effort to get a good cistern. So you can imagine having a property and you having to do that and spend even several months at it and work away at that and get it ready, and finally the the rains come, and you make channels from your roof or from the ground, and and you get water into that finally, trying to fill it up. Maybe you do fill it up. And then to come out the next day and take a look at it, and it's empty. All that effort, and you find out you have a broken cistern, one that has a crack, the inability Uh, to hold water. Well, how frustrating would that be? Be even more frustrating if you knew on the other side of the house there was a springing well. Well, here God had supplied everything that Israel needed. Even in their time in the wilderness, they were given food when they needed it. Miraculously, food from heaven. When they did camp a few times in places 
where they had no water. Uh, the Lord made water to come out of a rock to give them water. When they had a battle with the enemy, the Lord gave them victory. And again, when they finally came into the promised land, they did not even have to build houses and take the time and the effort to plant fruit trees and vineyards or sow their fields for the crops. No, the Lord had taken care of all of that. But Israel, in time, forsook the Lord. They looked to idols and pagan gods for satisfaction and for blessing. Well, I was thinking about even the reports that we're hearing now of the camp meeting in Faith City, how that we go through this season where we have camp meetings and youth camps, and it seems that the springing well is more evident. We enjoy the blessings of God. We see the benefits of it. We perhaps feel a little bit more connected to it. But yet we have to realize that just like with Israel, that that blessing was always right there for them. They did not need to build cisterns. They had the source. And so we don't want to make that mistake either to try to build a cistern. In Mark's gospel, the 10th chapter, we read of a, a young man who wanted the benefits of living water. This man came up to the Lord, said, Good master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Well, Jesus reminded him, Thou knowest the commandments. And he listed them, some of them. And he answered and said, Master, all of these have I observed from my youth up. What lack I yet? It says Jesus looked at this young man. He loved him. Of course, he wanted him to enjoy living waters and all the benefits of it. But he told him, one thing thou lackest, go thy way, sell whatsoever thou hast and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven and come, take up the cross and follow me. Well, there's a cistern of possession and wealth. Not that those things are are bad by any means, but we sang the song this evening that Jesus is Lord of all, all my possessions. If he's not Lord of all, he's not Lord at all. It says here that, and he was sad at that saying and went away grieved, for he had great possessions. So we don't want to inadvertently begin to put or think our satisfaction would belong in our possessions or our money. You see, that becomes a cistern at that point, if you will. What about the cistern of intellect or religion? And Saul of Tarsus was such a person Seems like he did a good job of building that cistern in his life. 
He looked for satisfaction in acquiring, in one sense, the best resume, having the best religious trading that he could obtain. What did it get him? Acts 9.1 says, Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter. This is a religious man. Against the disciples of the Lord went unto the high priest and desired him letters to Damascus to the synagogues that if any he found in this way, whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound unto Jerusalem. We, we can see that, that he had built something, but it was broken. It was not working for him. He was full of bitterness and, and hatred. But here in this chapter, you read of his Damascus road experience where God changed his heart. He changed his life. He got connected to the fountain of living water. And he became Paul the Apostle. In John chapter 4, we have the account of the woman at the well. Now you could consider this a cistern to the pleasures of life. You can see how a a physical well is not going to do it for you. Here she came out. Chapter 4 says at the sixth hour, that means about noon, all the other women would have come out in the morning and then returned in the evening. So uh, there was something going on there. It, It sounds like she did not have a good reputation. She had sought satisfaction in the pleasures of life. She had been married five times. And there she was, having to go out and draw water alone. But the the Lord had an appointment with her. She did not know that, but he was there waiting for her. He asked her if she could give him drink. She let him know that I'm a woman, I'm a Samaritan. Uh, you're, you're, you're a Jew. She could probably tell you he was a rabbi. We have no dealings uh, with each other. Well, the Lord let her know, if thou knewest the gift of God and who it is that saith to thee, give me drink, thou wouldest have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. Well, she was surprised. She said, Well, this well is deep. From whence hast thou that living water? Art thou greater than Jacob, our father that gave us the well? Well, she really had something there. A well's valuable. She took it all the way back to Jacob. We really got something here. Are you greater than him? Well, the Lord told her how just how great that well was. Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. Well, that's a good hook. She was interested. Sir, give me this water. I, I, I want that. That sounds good. I don't want to have to keep coming back here. 
The Lord was beginning the process of dealing with her heart. There's only one way for us to get that fountain of living water. We have to be saved. We have to be right with God. And then we'll be attached to that living water. And the Lord now began to deal with her sinful life. He told her, go, call thy husband and come hither. Well, she said, I I have no husband. Well, the Lord said, thou hast well said, I have no husband, for thou hast had five husbands, and he whom thou hast is not thy husband. Well, Holy Ghost conviction doesn't feel good. It didn't feel good to her. She she realized this this was somebody, not just anybody. It was starting to dawn on her, sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. But you see, that didn't feel good. She wanted to change the subject. Well, let's get into a subject of religion. Well, that, that's okay with the Lord. Well, the, the, the Lord wants to hear from you. The Lord's perfectly capable of answering any question. Our, our fathers, uh, they worshiped here in this mountain. And you say we're supposed to worship in Jerusalem. Well, that just led to a greater truth that she needed to hear. And she was talking to the right person. He let her know the hour cometh. And now is. You're right here. You're right in the right spot. When the true worshiper shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. You see, in that moment, I believe he touched something very deep within her heart. He touched something very deep in her heart. It was a lost hope. Maybe something that she had not thought about for many years. Maybe since she was a young girl. Because she said, I know that Messiah cometh. You see, there's a hope. She'd been raised to have a hope. And, and now the Lord was getting back down to that hope that she had once had, which is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. And the Spirit was speaking directly to her heart at this point. Jesus saith unto her, I that speak unto thee am he. Well, the Lord was speaking her language, and the Lord speaks our language. The Lord wants us to enjoy all the benefits that he has for us. He wants us to be connected to that fountain of living water. I really like verse 28. Here she had all these questions. The Lord had zeroed in on what she needed. And then in verse 28 says, the woman then left her water pot. She had come to to draw water from Jacob's well. But she got a different kind of water that day. And she got living water. And it felt good. She left that water pot right there. I don't need that anymore. Uh, The Lord's done something for me. And it was bubbling up in her. And she goes back uh, into her town. I believe that was Sikar. And she wanted to share that. Uh, with others. Uh, She said, come. 
and see a man which told me all things that ever I did. We don't read that in here. No, because God was speaking to her heart, just like he speaks to our hearts here tonight. He knows your need. He knows my need. He knew her need. Uh, We don't have the words. God doesn't need the words. He knows our language. And he knew her language. And she went to them and said, he revealed it all. Is not this the Christ? It could be nobody else because he satisfied the need of my heart. The testimony had some power on it. God does something for you. Your testimony will have power on it. It says that many of the Samaritans of that city believed on him for the saying of the woman which testified, he told me all that ever I did. In John chapter 7, verses 37 through 39, it says this, In the last days, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. That's what she had done. He that believeth on me, as the scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. That's what she was experiencing. That's what those that uh, came around, uh, around her experienced. Those rivers of living water springing up out of her. It says in parentheticals in verse 39, But this spake he of the Spirit, which they believe on him should receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because that Jesus was not yet glorified. Well, Jesus has been glorified. Tonight he sits on the right hand of the Father. Uh, The Holy Ghost has been given. And tonight uh, you can have uh, rivers of living water flowing out of you. It just takes a simple prayer. If you're not saved, you can come to this altar and you can, just like that woman at the well, uh, tell the Lord every problem you've ever had. He already knows all about it. And, And the Lord will hear that prayer. And if you ask him to come into your heart, he'll do that for you tonight. And you'll experience that living water. We want to stay connected to the source. We want to go through a year with victory. The Lord wants to continue to bless. Uh, He is not confined to working just during camp meeting. Uh, The Lord comes to every meeting. The Lord is willing to work in every meeting. And the Lord wants to supply your need. Let him do that for you tonight. We're going to have an opportunity to pray. The song 630 and the altar is open.